You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. If you have your Bibles, again, open to Matthew 6 if you're not already there. Matthew chapter 6. And I want to read, I tell you, I'd like to read the whole chapter tonight. Uh, but I don't have the time to do that, and you don't have the time for me to do that. And so we're just going to read maybe six or seven verses here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And I want to thank again the pastor for allowing me uh, to be able to stand here and preach this evening. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll look at this text this evening. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege, not only to be at our home church and the privilege to be able to worship freely this evening, but we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Lord, I'm thankful that we can come into your presence knowing that you will hear us, knowing that you will answer our prayers. And so tonight, Lord, we pray that you would take your word and accomplish your purposes in each and every individual life here this evening. Lord, I don't pretend to know every individual need. I don't, uh, Lord, I know uh, some of these folks really well. Some of them I don't know that well. But Lord, what I know doesn't really matter. What you know is what matters. And I pray that you would minister then grace to the hearer tonight as the word of God is preached. Lord, if there's someone that needs convicted, then I pray you would convict them, Lord. If there's someone that needs challenged, I pray you would challenge them. If there's someone that needs encouraged, I pray that you'd minister the grace of encouragement to them. But Lord, may we all be ministered tonight. May we be, uh, may we be receptive to the spirit of God and the word of God. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I love preaching the Word of God contextually. And as we read uh, this middle chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, it makes me want to preach on the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. But I promise you, we don't have time for that. Amen. All, all three chapters. But there's so much here. And then it makes me want to preach the whole chapter. And I, I can't do that. But before we get into verses 19 through 24, I just want to try to give you at least the context of this chapter. Now, as we study the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're learning the principles literally by which Jesus Christ will rule and reign during his administration with the millennial reign here on this planet. Jesus comes tonight. That's that's seven years from now, amen, where Christ, be, you say, you really believe that? I really believe that, amen, where Christ is the king of the whole world, amen, and he rules and reigns from Jerusalem, and if Kath was on the piano or the organ, we could have her hit a note right there, amen. Well, I felt like just for a minute, like we were getting into a good old black Baptist church tonight, amen, and it's like, man, we get some amens going, some hallelujahs, amen, some organs, amen, 
And, uh, but really, seriously, Christ is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And so the Sermon on the Mount, it's wonderful to see how his administration, his administration is not going to be Republican. Amen. It's not going to be Democrat and it ain't going to be independent. Amen. It's going to be, it's going to be his administration. Amen. And what a day that's going to be. All right. And so, but as we study the Sermon on the Mount, we also find tremendous teaching concerning how that we as God's children should act and react in situations on how we should live, how, should, uh, 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 how we should govern our lives and on the attitudes and the actions that we should exemplify. Amen. We learn all of that in these chapters. Now, as we look at this particular chapter tonight, uh, we find before our text verses, from verses 19 to 24, we find Christ speaking concerning almsgiving, and he assumed that you and I would participate in almsgiving. I'll explain that in just a minute. Uh, we find his teaching concerning prayer, and he assumed that you and I would would pray. He didn't say if, he said when. When you pray. And we find his teaching on fasting. And again, he assumed that we would take time to fast. He didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast. Amen. And so this is the context of the chapter. In fact, verse 1, he said, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. And so we find almsgiving really sets the context for this chapter. And somebody may say, well, what is almsgiving? Alms is defined as anything that's given gratuitously, if I pronounce that right, uh, to relieve the poor as money, food, or clothing, a gift of charity. And so Christ assumed this isn't just for that time. This isn't just for the millennial reign. Christ assumed that his followers would be charitable. I mean, he just assumed that we would be charitable, that we would exemplify him because he is charity personified. And so he assumed we'd be charitable in our giving and our good deeds. And so he warned them, however, as they're charitable in their giving, as they're charitable uh, in their good deeds, as they get involved in fasting, as they involve themselves in praying, not to do any of this to be seen of men or the reward would be here on this earth and he could not reward us there. But the context then of the entire chapter, it's really set without almsgiving and we find as we come into our uh, section of verses that we're looking at this evening that he's talking then about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And again, in the, staying with the context, the greatest way we lay up treasures in heaven is by almsgiving, amen, by prayer and by fasting, amen. That's how we send it on ahead of ourselves. Now, now, that's, again, just the context. Now, verse 19 then speaks, and we read it. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so, uh, again, we lay those treasures up by the fasting, by the almsgiving, by the prayer, and, and then immediately following our text verses, from verse 25 down to verse number 34, he starts by saying, therefore... So anytime you find a wherefore or therefore in the Bible, you study why it's therefore, amen. And those preceding verses show us. So, so he's talking in the context of almsgiving, prayer, fasting, being charitable, laying up treasure in heaven, not laying treasures on this earth. In that context then he says, therefore, verse number 25, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. In other words, as we're focused on doing what we're supposed to do, He'll take care of what he's supposed to do. Amen. As we'll take care of honoring and obeying him, he'll take care of honoring us. Amen. He'll take care of our needs as we, as we give to him and for him, as we live for him and allow him to live 
through us that he's saying, guys, look, if you'll do this, I'll take care of your needs. You don't have to worry about where your food will come from. You don't have to worry. If you'll take care, if I give it to you and you let it flow through you to others, amen, I'll make sure that you're taken care of, amen. And that's, that's the backside of this chapter, all right? And so, so that therefore he's instructing his followers on how to trust God with our sometimes lack of material possessions that we've given up in our quest to lay up treasures in heaven. And it's in this context then that Christ said, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And again, just laying my foundation for the introduction here, I want to establish tonight that we cannot lay up treasures in heaven while laying up treasures on this earth at the same time. That is the context of what's being said right there. You can't lay up in heaven and be laying up on earth. Amen. In fact, it's against the word of God to do that. Colossians 3, 2. He said, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, on the earth. And so again, we cannot set our affection on things above and set our affections on things of this earth at the same time. We cannot serve God while we're serving gain. We cannot serve God while we're serving greed. We cannot serve the Savior while we're serving self. It doesn't work that way. God is an all or none God, amen? God wants all or he wants none. You mark that one down, amen? And we could show you that over and over in the scripture. God said we're to love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. God wants all or he's not interested in none. God is not interested in lukewarm Christianity. God's not interested in, God wants all or none. God wants you 100% faithful or not faithful. I'm just telling you how God operates, amen. God said, I would thou were cold or hot. Because thou art lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth, amen. And so God, God's looking for followers and God's looking for Christians and God's looking for churches that'll be all for Jesus, amen. Just give it all to Jesus, amen. I, I'm telling you, that's what he's looking for. Now, twice in the gospels, we find this phrase and two different occasions, two different settings, Christ makes this statement, no man can serve two masters. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. Now that may have been a proverb of that day. It may have been a Jewish proverb or it may have been coined by Christ, but either way, he said it and it's truth. It is truth. No man can serve two masters. It's a fact. As I was meditating on this verse in verse number 24, no man can serve two masters. My mind obviously went to that last phrase as well, where he defines the masters. He said, you cannot serve God and mammon. And the word mammon is a Syriac word meaning wealth. Uh, and, and so in speaking of giving charitably and laying up treasure in heaven, the Lord invoked this phrase, no man can serve two masters, and he immediately gave the application that you can't serve God and you can't serve mammon. So the immediate application of this no man can serve two masters certainly involves and applies to our giving, and we see that in the entire chapter. Now, I'm not preaching on our giving this evening, but, but I'm giving you the context and the immediate application, the interpretation there of, of, of the text here. Now, as I was doing some studying, and of course you guys, I think, I think everybody here would agree with that. We can't serve God and gain at the same time. We can't serve God and cold at the same time. Uh, and so, so we'll probably reference that throughout the course of the message this evening. But as I was looking and reading some commentators on this passage, you say, Brother Upman, 
You read commentators? I sure do, amen. I, I try to get all the, I need help, amen, when I study. And so I know, I know some of you think that the pastor should just sit there and just write it down as the Spirit of God speaks in his ear, but I'm not quite at that level yet, amen. And so I have to do all the studying I can and get all the help I can from others, amen. And why reinvent the wheel, amen. If someone else has already studied it, I can get that part done and go on to the next part, amen. And so I'm just simply saying that as I looked at some of the commentators, uh, mammon may, uh, here's what one commentator said, mammon could be considered anything that a man confides in, that, 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 that he puts his trust in, that, 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 that he puts his time into, that, that could be mammon. Another one said mammon stands here for all that, that mostly estranges men from God. Anything that would take your focus off of God, uh, even good things can become mammon, all right? And then, and then I like Matthew Henry, uh, I, I really like Matthew Henry. And, and Matthew Henry said, you cannot serve God and mammon. And, and he said, what I, the definition I gave you earlier, mammon is a Syriac word that signifies gain. And then he said, so whatever in this world is or is accounted by us to be gain, that is mammon. Whatever is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life is mammon. And then he gives some Bible examples. To some, their belly is their mammon, and they serve that. Philippians 1 and verse number, or excuse me, Philippians 3.19, where he said, whose God is their belly. Amen. Uh, that, that's mammon for some. To others, their ease, their sleep, their sports, their pastimes are their mammon. And he references Proverbs 6.9. To others, worldly riches are their mammon. And he references James 4.13. To others, honors and preferments, the praise and applause of men. That was the Pharisees' mammon. But then I want you to listen because this is what I'm preaching on right here tonight. In a word, I'm still reading Matthew Henry, in a word, self is the mammon which cannot be served with God. For if it be served, if it be served, now if I'm serving self and I'm trying to serve God at the same time, it is always in competition with him and in contradiction to him. Now that's a good definition right there. Amen. That's a good comment maybe I should say right there. And that's how I want to preach it tonight. No man can serve two masters. If you're saved tonight, and I trust that the majority of folks here are saved, then, then when you got saved, you accepted the Lord as your Savior. But notice the wording, you accepted who? The Lord. Amen. He, you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And, and he wanted to take control of your life. And he desires to be the master of your life if you're saved by the grace of God. So I just want to look at three very basic, simple points this evening. First off, as we look at this verse, then verse 24, no man can serve two masters. I want to talk just for a moment about the two masters that's being presented here this evening, all right? We have, we have the master of the Savior, amen? And boy, we love that master, amen? And then there's the master of self, and we don't like that master so much, amen? I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, as, as, and, and, and I just began in my mind uh, drawing out a contrast between between these masters, uh, the Savior, this master, the Savior, he bought me. He is a selfless master, amen. Whereas this master called self, it fought me. And it's a very selfish, selfish master. And then the master of the Savior. Man, aren't you glad tonight that in spite of our faults and failures, and we all have some, amen, some of us got more than others, but aren't you glad that he lovingly leads us, whereas the master of self very stubbornly drives us. Isn't that true? Man, self drives us, all right? And then, and then number three, this master, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's given me his spirit to comfort me, amen? 
Man, I'm glad that my, my master, the Lord Jesus Christ, man, he comforts the afflicted. He comforts the downtrodden. He comforts those that are poor in spirit, amen. He comforts those of us when we need comfort, whereas the master of self, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't give a spirit of comfort ever, ever, ever. The master of self gives a spirit of confusion, amen. I mean, the, I mean I'm just telling you, man, myself, if I was relying on myself, myself always leads to question marks, amen. The older I get, the more I realize I, I don't even know the question questions, much less all the answers. Amen. But, but he does. He knows the answers before you give the question and he's already got his comfort ready because the comforter dwells in you. Amen. And then I want to say this master, the Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us. He's blessed me and us. If you're saved with the fact of his word, we have the fact of the good word of God, which guides and guards us. Whereas ourself, this master, I'm talking about James Rutman and you can apply it to your life. This master, James Rutman, myself has cursed me with the feelings of emotions, amen. The master Christ, he blessed me with the fact of the scripture, with the fact of the word, amen, that I can rely on. But myself, man, has confused me time and again, and I feel like cursed me, amen, at times with these feelings of emotions. And, and self would, all, listen to me, self will always seek to guide you through feeling, always. The spirit of God will always guide you through the written word of God, amen. You can't rely on feelings. You can't rely on your heart, amen? If you do, you're following the wrong master. We've got to rely on the Spirit of God, and he's already spoken. People say, what would Jesus do? The correct question is, what did Jesus do? And we have a Bible that tells us, amen? I love this master, amen? And then, and then this master, the Lord Jesus Christ, can I just tell you what David said? In the, and I'm starting to feel pretty good right now, amen? In the 23rd Psalm, David, there in the 23rd Psalm, uh, he talked about how that he leads us in paths of righteousness, amen? I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ, that master, he's always gonna lead me to do right. He's, he's never gonna lead me to do wrong, amen? It, he, it's, it's always right to do right, and it's always wrong to do wrong. It's never right to do wrong and it's never wrong to do right. Amen. And I hope I said that right. Amen. I'm just simply saying, amen, that this master, the Lord Jesus Christ, he leads us in paths of righteousness whereas this master of the flesh, this master of myself, always leads me in the path of rebellion. There, I'm telling y'all tonight, amen, there is nothing good in our flesh. There's nothing good in my flesh. You say, well, you're a missionary going to Africa. I'm gonna tell you, if I'm relying on my flesh, I'm a wicked man, and you, don't you start popping your suspenders, you're wicked too, amen. We all have this flesh, amen. And this flesh is wicked, and this flesh is deceptive, and th there's nothing good about the flesh. It always, if you rely on your flesh or yourself or follow your heart, it'll lead you down a path of rebellion. But if you'll follow this master and his word, he'll lead you in paths of righteousness, amen. And can I tell you one more thing about these two masters, one more contrast, and we could preach all night about this, but this really isn't why I wanna preach. Just again, the first point, land that introduction. This master will bring rewards when I stand before him for just simply me doing what he told me to do and he gave me the resources to do it, amen. amen. I mean, it's a win-win situation if you follow this master. You can't go wrong following the right master, amen. He gives us the resources, he gives us the strength, he gives us the ability, he's given us the spirit, he's given us the word, amen, to go out and do what he told us to do and if we do it, we get rewards at the other side, amen, at the judgment seat. Whereas the master of self, he doesn't bring rewards at the judgment seat, he'll bring regrets at the judgment seat. 
When we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, if we were ruled by self, if we chose with the free will that God's given us to follow self instead of the scriptures, to follow self instead of the Savior, to follow self instead of the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, there'll be great regret. There'll be great regret at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand there with regret. Amen. I want to stand there with a reward, brother. This I want to stand there. Amen. Rejoicing. Amen. Not not suffering. Amen. Regret uh, because I served the wrong master as a child of God. So there's the two masters. And then I want I want to point out there's only one man in the passage. There's two masters, but there's one man. Watch the man. The Bible said no man. He spoke that on an individual. And I know he's speaking collectively to his disciples and to all of us, but, but he's, speaking on an indivi- he's, he's speaking of an individual. He says, no man can serve two masters. And, and, and boy, I just want to just give you some things here real quickly. The reality of that statement, it's a true statement, no man. You put whatever adjective you want in front of that man and he can't do it. There's nobody that's skilled enough to be able to serve self and the Savior and do it both well, our preacher on Sunday night preached about doing all things well, amen. He preached about just being good, amen. I, I love that statement, balanced goodness is the essence of greatness, amen. And I just, I wanna be balanced in my life, amen. And so, so, but can I tell you that you can't take that message and say, well, I can serve both masters good. You know what I mean? Because I don't wanna just focus on one and do great. No, no, you can't serve both of these masters well because they're going two different directions. Because they're teaching two different things because they stand for, I mean, completely opposite things, all right? And so the reality is it doesn't matter if, if you're rich tonight or if you're poor. It doesn't matter. You say, I'm a rich man. I can serve God and I can serve this world because I have the money to do it. No, you can't. I'm a poor man. Man, God will just wink at me. God knows I'm trying to serve him, but I'm poor and, and I just got to kind of make both ends meet where I can and, and I can serve both masters. No, you can't. Well, well, I'm an old man and I'm experienced and I've been around a long time. In fact, I've been saved for decades and I've learned successfully how to be able to follow self and to follow the world and to follow the Savior at the same time. No, you haven't. Because the Lord said no man can serve two masters. That's the Lord speaking there. That ain't Brother Upman speaking. That's the Lord speaking. Amen. No man can serve two masters. You say, well, man, I'm, I'm just barely saved and God understands. I'm just barely saved. and I don't understand everything about the Christian life, so I can still keep a foot in the world while I'm trying to follow Christ. And eventually that other foot will come dragging along. No, you can't. Not according to the Lord. Not successfully. Not to have rewards at the other side. You can't do it. You can't do it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I'm a good man, and I'm so good that I've come to that spiritual maturity where I can serve. You can't. Can I tell you, no man. That's the person sitting in the pew. That's the piano player, to keep it alliterated, amen. That's the preacher behind the pulpit. That's the pope. I mean, it doesn't matter who. Listen, if you, are you a man? Raise your hand. And I mean, I'm a part of the human race. Man or woman, raise your hand, amen. That's you. No man can serve two masters. You can't have one foot in following Jesus at Eastside Baptist Church and have another foot in following self in the world, whatever direction they go. God said you can't do that. It's just not possible to do it, all right? And so, and you say, well, now, preacher, you don't understand. You You have to take it up with the Lord, amen? You say, well, I'm the exception to the rule. There are no exceptions to this rule. Can I tell you, and this is gonna sound, it's almost gonna sound terrible, but you'll understand when I say it. Jesus Christ himself, could not serve self and his father at the same time. And if he couldn't, 
mark it down, you and I can't. Amen. It's impossible. No man can serve two masters. That's the reality of that statement. No matter who you are, you can't serve two masters. And then look at the responsibility of, of masters. I mean, the responsibility we find in that statement, no man can serve two masters. Because here's, here's, here's the, 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 the thing we don't like. Masters give responsibilities. That's why he said no man can serve. Because there are responsibilities that come with being a master and there's responsibilities from the master to the servant. Now, now the word serve here, and you can check this out. In fact, I challenge you, always check it out when I'm preaching the word of God, amen? And if it don't line up with the book, toss it in the trash can, amen, all right? Because only this book matters. But I'm telling you, I checked up the definition and the word serve, no man can serve. That word serve, it literally means to be a slave. That's what it means. I checked it out today, to be a slave. No man can serve. No man can be a slave to two masters. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't do that. It's not, it's not possible. Uh, can, can I say right here that every one of us in this building that are saved by God's grace, you're either a bond slave to the Savior or you're a slave to self. He said, no, wait a minute, preacher. You don't understand. You don't understand, preacher. I'm saved. I understand you're saved. But I'm telling you as a saved person, you are either choosing to be a bond slave and a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ or you are serving self. You say, well, I'm doing, I'm doing both. I come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I try to be involved in activities here. But when I'm on my time, brother, it's my time and I'm doing what I want and going where I want and living how I want. Can I just tell you that no man can do that successfully. You say, no, 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 I can do it because I am doing it. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're either holding to the one and despising the other or, or, or what the text say right here in verse number, verse number, if I can find it again where I'm preaching, amen, or you're hating the one loving the other. We'll come back to that in just a minute. I'm just simply saying there's a responsibility. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter number six. Uh, it's impossible. It is impossible to be a slave to Jesus Christ and to be a slave to James Ruckman at the same time, for James Ruckman. That's impossible. And it's impossible for you to be a slave to the Savior and to be a slave to self at the same time. It can't be done. You say, I think, I think you've made that point clear. I'm going to keep making it. When you walk out of here tonight, I hope you remember these words, no man can serve two masters. When you're tempted to sin, I hope that statement runs through your mind. No man can serve two masters. When you're tempted to not give your all to Jesus Christ, I hope that phrase runs through your mind. No man can serve two masters. When you're tempted by sin or tempted by the things of this world or just tempted with things, man, I'm just tired, I'm serving the Lord, I'm fighting for the Lord and it just gets tired and it gets hard and it gets weary and the world's getting more wicked. I'm just gonna slow up a little bit. I hope you remember the phrase, no man can serve two masters. Because we can't. Uh, listen, Christ, either you have, either I have, and am allowing Christ to take ownership of his blood-bought possession, which is my body, or you or I have taken possession of our own bodies. Amen. Yes. We're either letting him take possession of what he bought with his blood. You say, he got my soul and spirit. He got your body too. Amen. He said, therefore glorify, for you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your, uh, uh, go back and read it, amen, uh, in your, in your uh, he says the word body in there, amen, and it's blanking out, I'm, I'm starting to get ahead of timers a little bit, all right, but you can read it, amen. amen. We're to glorify God in our body is what the word of God says there now. 
Here, listen, the Savior wants to, let me just say this, if you really follow this Bible as our master, he could demand, he definitely desires, and there's no question he deserves complete control of my life and complete control of your life. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, he demands it. He said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up a cross and follow me. Amen. You've got to let me be your master. Amen. If you're going to follow me, you've got to let him be the master. Amen. He'd like to have that blood-bought possession. Amen. He'd, you say, preacher, is it a one-time fits all? No, it's every day. Amen. Every day I've got to give him that body back. Every day I've got to give him my soul, spirit, and body. Amen. Every day I've got to, I've got, Paul said I die daily. Amen. And I've got to kill that self. I've got to put that self to death. I've got to mortify my members. Amen. So I can give my all to my master the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Watch this in Romans chapter six, looking at that word serve and thinking about a slave. In Romans chapter six, I told you to turn there and I'm not even there myself, all right? But here we go, Romans chapter six and verse number 12. And I'm gonna read a good portion of scripture and comment as I read. The Bible said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It's talking about the body we have. Can't tell you how many times people have said, well, God saved my soul and spirit, but my body's mine to do with what I want. No, it's not. You're bought with a price. Amen. Let not therefore, that's, that, that, that's a command that's on you, friend. That, there, there's, there, there's an implied you right there. Let you, let not therefore, uh, let me get back to my reading. Let not therefore uh, sin reign in your mortal body. Why? Don't let it reign that ye should obey it. Well, why would you obey it? Because it's a master. And it wants you to be its slave again like you used to be before you got saved, amen. Watch this, he says, he says uh, let me get back to my chapter now, verse 13, neither yield ye. He's, he's, he's talking to you and I as believers. He's saying don't yield, don't give way with your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Don't do it, can I tell you if you're saved you're gonna be tempted to. But he's saying, don't do it, don't yield, don't give in, don't give way, but yield yourselves unto God. I think it was uh, one of those great missionaries of yesteryear, William Borden, he said, he wrote in his diary, say no to self and yes to God every time. Man, that stuff fires me up, amen? Say no to self and yes to God every time. And so he said, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion. That's, that's that masterhood. Sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are, uh, are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. He's saying, listen, man, you're saved. You're under the grace of God. Christ fulfilled the law. And now, listen, you don't have a license to sin because you've been saved. God forbid, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves. That is personal will of the individual right there. To whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Can I ask you? Reading that definition of verse number 16, reading that verse, whose servant were you today? Whose servant were you this past week? Whose servant have you been for this past month? Whose servant have you been for this past year? Was there ever a time after you got saved that you yielded to the sweet influence of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and now you're back 
kind of backsliding on it, kind of drawing back, kind of crawfishing a little bit is what we'd call it, amen. Kind of, kind of turning around and going the other direction back to where you come from. Man, God says don't do that, but God be thanked. I say hallelujah, play the organ right there. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, amen. Ye were, past tense, the servants of sin, amen. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Man, he's talking about positionally when we got saved by the good grace of God, we obeyed that admonition which was to repent or to perish, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we got delivered from sin, being then made free from sin. God's saying positionally, guys, there was a time in each one of your lives if you're saved that I made you a servant of righteousness. If you're saved, I'm telling you, there was at least one second, there was a minute, there was an hour of your life, amen, when you first got saved, amen, when you were a servant of righteousness. Why would you go back now? Why would you go back to rebellion? Why would you go back to sin? Why would you let your body be yielded to the, to the tender embrace of sin that leaves its lasting consequences for time and for those that aren't saved eternity, my soul. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. What, what, what he's saying right there is some of y'all, you don't get it. There's infirmity. I'm talking to you guys because this is, you know what, Paul would have never had to write this if New Testament Christians weren't tempted to do this. Amen. Don't you say, well, man, I, I just feel weird. Like I'm tempted to do all these things. Hey, join the crowd. Every born again, blood washed child of God's tempted. Amen. Yes, but you can have victory over temptation. Amen. You don't have to yield. If you sin, you can't say, well, the devil made me. I'm feeling really good right now. Amen. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. The devil didn't force feed Eve. Amen. He has, he has a more than willing ally on the inside of you called the old man. Called, called that flesh, called the old nature. And that old nature, amen, every man is, is, is uh, tempted and he's drawn away of his own lust, amen. Satan just has to hang out the temptation, but our own lust goes after it, amen. He's saying, listen, guys, don't do that. Don't do that. Watch this. For as ye have yielded your members, that's past tense again, there was a time in your life when you yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now, you're saved. You're under new ownership. You've got a new master. You've got a new Lord. Amen. You've got a new owner. He freed you from sin. Even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. What about that? What about that? One man, there's a great responsibility, amen, that we have. If, 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 if you're going to serve sin, you're going to find sin is a taskmaster. And where you seek for liberty and freedom, you're going to find bondage and corruption. But if you'll allow Jesus Christ to be your taskmaster, you say, well, if I have to do that, if I have to live like that, if I'm expected to be in church, if I'm expected to tithe, if I'm expected to give to it, if I'm expected to let Christ live through me, oh, how awful that's going to be. How can I tell you, man, Jeremiah 6.16 said, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the way and ask for the old paths. And he said down there towards the end of the verse, because my, my mind's going really blank tonight, but he said, wherein is rest for your soul. Yes. You say, man, I don't know why there's so much drama in my life and I don't have rest anymore. I don't know why I'm hearing voices all the time. When it used to be peace and quiet, could it be you're yielding to the wrong master? Yeah, right. Could it be you're yielding to the wrong master? 
Yield to Christ. His yoke, I promise you, it's easy. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, I've been serving the Lord now for 30 years this year. Amen. Amen. I have, we've been through, hey, through many Man, I tell you, I wish I wasn't feeling this good, but because I, I, I need to get done, amen. But through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Yeah. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. And grace, it's just going to get me on home, amen. Yeah. Hallelujah, amen. amen. That's a pretty good master. We've had our share of problems just like you have, but I'm not stressed out, amen. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not dramatized and traumatized. I just created a new word right there, amen. Dramatized and, and traumatized, amen. You say, why? Because his yoke is easy and his burden's light. Yes, it is. Come unto me, all you that labor. What are you laboring? Serving the wrong master. Amen. You're serving the wrong master, and there's toil and there's bondage in that iron furnace of Egypt that's that is a type of the world. Amen. It's it's I'm telling you, there's no rest over there. But if you just come to Christ, amen. Some of us just need, we just need to come back to Calvary tonight. Not that you're going to get resaved, amen, but that you're just going to get back to Calvary and turn the ownership of your life back over to the one who purchased you with his blood, amen. No man can serve two masters. Watch this, the rationale, the rationale. He says right here, he says, or we say sometimes, you know, I can serve two masters, and I just want to jump over this point quickly, but that's a self-deception, that, that self-deception, and he explains it right here in our text. Uh, he, he's, he, he tells us here, it, back in our text, he said, he said, you're going to hate the one, that word hate means to love less or to love not. It doesn't mean like, like we use the word hate, like I hate you. It's, it's that you just, you cannot love the Savior and love sin can I just say it this way where you'll understand? You can't love your wife and another woman at the same time. You say, well, theoretically, I can. Not successfully. Somebody's going to get mad. Amen. Somebody's going to get hurt. Problems are going to happen. Amen. Can I just tell you, can I tell you the world demands your love? That's why the Lord said, love not the world. The world demands your love. You say, well, just keep preaching about the world. Well, the very next phrase, he said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world that's where and I'm you don't worry I'm not I'm not going to start preaching on things tonight I'm just going to use the phrase things amen the Holy Spirit can make application in your heart and in your life and in my heart and my life amen but it said love not the world neither the things that are in the world don't love them why because if you do first John said the love of the father's not in you you say well, does that mean I've left his love no that means you've left his love you don't have a love for the Father in your heart if you have a love for the world in your heart because those two loves cannot exist in the same place at the same time. They can't. You can't have the love. I love Jesus. No, you don't if you love the world. In fact, James 4 said, the adulterers and adulteresses, and by no means am I invoking that here. Amen. I'm just, the, the last half of the verse, he said, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. He's talking to Christians right there. Not positionally, but practically enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Amen. You can't have it both ways. The old timer said you can only straddle a fence so long before you hit a post, amen. You can't have one foot in the world, one foot serving self and one serving the Savior. It's not going to work but for so long, friend. You can't do it. See, but I'm trying to, but you can't because he said you can't. Again, Romans 12, verse number 2. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, amen. See, that's what our self loves, man. Our self loves the world. 
Our self loves those things. Our flesh loves those things God saved us from. I always wondered as a, as a boy, hearing my dad preach out of the Pentateuch, amen. I think he preached out of the Pentateuch for 43 years, amen. And, uh, and, and all, all in, all in for the first 17 years of my existence, all right. And uh, every Wednesday night was the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch, amen. But I always wondered, we got to Exodus, how could there be a mixed multitude? How could they, Brother Juan, I always wondered, how can they keep saying, we want to go back to the leeks and garlics of onions? And I'm like, who wants leeks? and garlics and onions anyhow amen I mean but I mean why would they want to go back there because with those leeks I mean I'd be like I want to go back to steak and potatoes but not leeks and garlics amen all right but hey who wants to go back to leeks and garlics so soon they forgot the hard bondage of Egypt and the terrible consequences of sin and sinful choices and they want and I said how could they do that and then I began to grow in my own Christian faith and found myself many times looking back saying oh man that should be nice to go back to that song that I used to listen to before I got saved. Be nice to go back to some of these things every now and then. Oh boy, oh yeah, that comes, you say that comes to your mind, that comes to my mind. Oh wretched man that I am. There's things that I want to go back to. There's things this flesh, I want to just tell y'all, James Rutman's flesh ain't saved, amen. In fact, James Rutman's flesh don't even want to be in church tonight, amen. There's nothing good about my flesh and, and yours either, amen. But the spirit of God on the inside of me, on the other hand, there's nothing bad about him. Amen. That's why First John said, whatsoever is born of God cannot sin. Amen. It's impossible. The spirit, I'm born of God. The spirit of God's on the inside. That new nature, that new man can't sin. But that old man can't do right. And so that creates this turmoil where we all, I don't care who you are and how righteous you are, we've got, we've got a master on this side pulling and we've got a master on that side pulling. We've got a master on this side saying, I want your love. And we've got a master on that side saying, man, I deserve your love. I died for you. We've got a master on this side saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Man, I'll forgive you tonight, amen, for going out and serving another master. After I, I'll forgive you tonight. Find out how forgiven the world is and yourself is, amen, when you say no to sin. They're not forgiven at all, amen. No, 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 they're not forgiven, all right? And so let me just say, let me give you this. I'm just about done. The repercussions I'm still talking about that one man and all that man has to struggle with in his own mind, amen. The repercussions of trying to serve two masters. What's the repercussions? He'll hate the one and love the other, amen. One of those two master-servant relationships is gonna suffer. That's what he's saying. One of them's gonna suffer. And can I tell you, if you're trying to serve both, I can tell you every time which one's gonna suffer. It's gonna be the one with Jesus Christ. It's gonna be with the one with Christ. It'll always, always, always suffer. And can I tell you, if you're saved, you say, well, man, I can't get the pleasure and the enjoyment with that crowd I used to have, doing those things we used to do out there in the world. Can I tell you, a backslidden Christian's got to be the most miserable person in the world because you can't make them happy and you can't make him ha- pleased, amen. You can't do it, amen, because you're, you're trying to have your foot in both places and it doesn't work, amen. Oh, listen, you'll love Christ less. If you're trying to serve self and Christ at the same time, you'll find yourself loving Christ less with your talent with your time, amen, with your treasure, with your life, with your love, with your labor. Oh yeah, and then he says, or else, and he's not just repeating himself, he's, he's trying to drive the point home. He said, here, here, here's the repercussions of trying to have two master relationships here. You're either gonna hate the one and love the other or else you're gonna hold to the one. And you know what that's gonna cause you to do? The same thing it caused Esau to do. He despised his birthright, you'll despise the other. To, to think lowly of to even scorn, to think of with disdain. I wonder, has that thought crossed any of our minds? Have, have we got to holding on to the master of self so much that the thought of serving Christ with all of my heart, I look down on? 
That which I used to love, I now, I don't love it so much. That which I used to be faithful to, I I can't can't quite be faithful because I'm I'm holding on to this other so strong. And what happens is the longer you hold on to it, it's not just that you love less the Savior. You come to a place where practically, you'd never say it with your lips. Nobody would stand up and say, I despise the Savior. But practically, you despise, you think lowly of, even with contempt on that cross. And the Savior and the Spirit of God and the saints of God. You think lowly of him. You think with contempt. And the pastor, when he preaches the word of God and says, man, how we ought to live right and be faithful to God and be faithful to church. And we're like, "Eh, we're just going to turn that off right there. That's despising right there. When you turn off the spirit of God, you have, I have, we have despised the spirit of God. That's not a good place for the child of God to be. That's never a good place for the child of God to be. Oh, listen to think against, to disdain. Oh, we don't want to have that kind of an attitude towards our Savior. Can I just tell you one other thing? And I'm I'm, I'm telling you, you say you're just about done. Paul said, finally, brethren, and he wrote three more chapters. So I'm I'm almost there. Amen, I promise you. I'm I'm really almost there. But can I just tell you this real quickly? Because I have to say this while I'm here, and I won't even charge for this one, all right? Your attitude towards God's church. Amen. Towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Towards the family of God. Amen. Your attitude towards them reveals your attitude towards him. You say, why? Because the church is the body of Christ. (laughs) We're the bride of Christ. Amen. When you think lowly of his bride, you think lowly of the groom. When you think lowly of the body, you're thinking lowly of the head. Amen. When you say, well, I just don't. Man, I'm telling you. (laughs) Hey, man, they just preach against sin and say we ought to live right. That's because he said, be ye holy. (laughs) That's what the head said. A good faithful pastor's got a preacher from the pulpit. Amen. Like God put it down. Amen. And we can't despise it. I don't know. We can't, we can't despise it. Man, if you're serving two masters, you'll end up despising it. But, but, but man, I'll tell you what we need to do tonight. I'm telling you. I, I'm, telling, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as well as everyone here. We need to despise self. Yes, we do. Job said, wherefore I abhor myself. God, give us a revival of the saints of God who could say with Job, wherefore I abhor myself. I love the Savior so much that I abhor myself. I love his interests so much that I abhor my own. I love his church so much. I love his body so much. I love his bride so much. I love my brethren so much, amen, that I'm always in honor going to prefer them Above myself, amen. amen. I'm going to follow that old adage, joy, Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy, amen. amen. I'm always going to put other. it's going to be Christ and then others. By the way, if you ever get that down in your heart and mind, Christ first, others second, me last. If you ever get that down, can I tell you, you will have fulfilled the whole law because that's the essence of the law. The first four laws of the Ten Commandments are your relationship with God, loving him, and the last six is your relationship towards everybody else and loving them, amen. And Jesus said, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. And your neighbor is yourself. On this hangs all the law and the prophets. Amen. What about that? Jesus and others and you. But you're going to have to put self where it belongs. Last place. Down in the basement. Amen. Get back in the grave. Amen. All right. Oh, listen. I'll give you an example. My last point, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm about done. I'm, I, 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 listen, if you're sitting here saying, I can't take that long when you preacher, I can't either. Let's talk about them after the service, all right? 
I wished he'd stop, amen. But just listen, listen. Uh, years ago, I gotta tell you this story. Years ago, uh, we, man, I preached a bunch of tent meetings around the country, and I was down in Nebraska preaching, and I met a man down uh, there in, in Nebraska, great guy, come out to tent meeting. And I mean, this guy, man, he, he knew some of the churches I knew back east, and found out that his son I was married to the daughter of a Sunday school teacher I had while I was a child. And, and uh, man, I mean, this guy, man, this guy, have you ever met someone that had it all? He had it all. Man, he come down to church. I mean, there wasn't no church in that town. That's why we were having a tent meeting there, amen, to try to preach the gospel, see people get saved, start a church. And here's this, and I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling you the way it is. Here's a backslidden lot sitting in that town, not going to church anywhere. But when we showed up, the spirit of God's in him, amen, he wanted to come out and be a part of everything. Well, man, I'd have thought, man, this guy, man, he's on fire for God, man. This, I mean, this man, I mean, he really wants to do right. There's no church here. And, uh, but the more we was around him throughout the week, man, you just couldn't help but notice. I mean, I mean, he was so full of, I mean, I, you're not trying to be judgmental, but I, he's just so full of sin and so full of selfishness. And it was all about him. And his name was Bill. It was all about Bill. It was all about serving Bill. And if Bill wanted something, Bill got it. It didn't matter what anybody, including God, said. Bill got it. And so that was him. So we was there the whole week. And, and uh, well, uh, I found out while I was there, we was putting the connections together, found out here, uh, his, his daughter, I, I'll get it right, his daughter was married to my Sunday school teacher's son. If I get the family connections right. And so some time went by after that, and, and, and I got some calls uh, uh, from, from some folks that, hey, I heard you met Bill down there. How's Bill doing? I hadn't seen him in 20 years and all this kind of stuff. And, and well, in the process of all that, this other family got a hold of me, and they said, man, you was out there at Bill's place. I said, I was at Bill's place. And they said, you know, our son got married to his daughter. I said, yeah. I said, he's telling me about that. And he said, man, I'd, I wish you'd reach out to her. I wish you'd, I, I said, why do you want me to reach out? They said, she's not in church. She's not living for God. She's gone the way of the world. I mean, I mean, here's this man that to me coming in, my first impression was, look how great this man is. Look how godly this man is. And, and, until I was there a day or two, then I'm like, hey, not quite as great and godly as I thought, not quite as good as I thought, you know. But here's the long story. Well, I can't remember, it's been 20-some years ago. I can't remember if I talked to the daughter or this pastor friend of mine talked to the daughter, but one of the two of us talked to the daughter, and here's what she said. As we started to talk to that young lady, and she was in the middle of a divorce, and that's why we began talking to her to start with, because the direction her life was going. And here's what she said. She said, preacher, to either myself or the other, I honestly can't remember. She said, preacher, she said, I'd love to give my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. I'd love to. But she said, here's why I'm not going to. She said, I've watched my dad his entire life. My dad's been a church-going man. He was in a treasurer at churches. He'd been a song leader in churches. Now he's in Nebraska. And I've watched my dad hang on to Jesus Christ and Christianity and hang on to every bit of the world he could have at the same time. And she said, somehow and in some way, and this is not a contradiction to my message tonight. This is an illustration of my message tonight. She said, somehow in some way, my dad has learned how to love Jesus and have the world at the same time. And she said, and until I can learn to have Jesus and have the world at the same time, I'll never step back into a church again because I can't do what my dad can do. Her dad was pretending to do something. And the repercussions was he lost his daughter in the process. If not for your own sake, for your children's sake, for your grandchildren's sake, would you live a life that exemplifies Jesus Christ and show them, not just by position, not just by word of mouth, I'm a Christian, but by practice, by holiness, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and you can't serve God and serve the world at the same time. Impossible. Let me get, let me get right here. We have two masters. We have one mind, or excuse me, two masters and one man, and we come to our last section, a double mind, a double mind.
Two masters, one man. And Christ said in our passage, and I'll close my Bible so I can get done. Christ said in the passage, if thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Single focus, single mind. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow the Savior. I'm following the light of the world. If he loves it, I love it. If he doesn't, I don't. I'm following him. But God said, if thy eye be evil, it's dark, you cannot see. How great is that darkness? I'm telling you again, the most miserable person in the world is a double-minded Christian. Want to serve God one minute? Want to serve the world the next minute? It can't work. The Bible said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you're a Christian and you're trying to serve Jesus and trying to serve yourself at the same time, it never produces excellence in the Christian life. It produces instability. It produces immaturity. It produces all that stuff that we don't want to produce over a process of time in our hearts and lives. He's unstable in all of his ways. Servitude. I'm a servant. He's a master. He's a master. Servitude begins in the mind. Again, I want to go back to a verse I started with. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Servitude starts. The battle's right here, friend. The battle, the battle is not here, and the battle's not with the master of sin. The battle is engaged right here is where it all takes place. What happens out here with my hands and my feet and my body, what happens out here is indicative of what took place in there. It's all in here. That's, that's why the Bible says, let the mind of Christ be in you. Amen, all right? It begins in the mind, and that's why Romans 6, we won't reread those verses. What I'm asking tonight, and we'll have, we'll have a, a piano player come, and heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to go to an invitation time. But what I'm asking tonight is, is there anybody here double-minded? Anybody here struggling between two masters? Anybody here, you're trying to serve Christ, but man, there's a drawback to the world, and boy, you're going that direction, and you know, you don't want to, but, but you're just not going to stop. Would you be willing tonight? Man, the Holy Ghost is speaking through his word and giving me a message for you tonight, and he's going to give you a chance tonight to, hey, let's get this thing recalibrated. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get this taken care of. Let's fall back in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, let's purpose in our heart that we're going to yield our lives, our love, our labor, our time, our talent, and our treasure to him. See, if you walk out of here saying, I'm going to continue choosing to serve my sin and to serve myself and to serve the world, can I tell you, the Bible said to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You want peace again in your heart? You want to feel like living? You want to put the life back in living? Man, be spiritual minded and purpose in your heart and commit to him. You're going to live for him. James 4, 8 said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God help us. God help James Ruckman not to be a double-minded man, but to be a man that's singly focused on loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, serving him as my master. Let's pray. They're going to begin to play. The invitation's open. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.